Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. As the summer wanes, it's time for the teachers and students of the world to return to the halls of learning for another school year of reading and writing and relativistic time dilation effects in vectored impulse flight, or whatever kids are studying these days. And for the next two weeks, I'll be headed to school myself as I'm joined on the show by a pair of academics who are sharing insights from their particular fields and applying them to the world of Star Trek. The bell is ringing and we don't want to be late for class, so let's get underway. Right before we get started, I wanted to take a second to congratulate CBS as the Star Trek franchise has been selected to receive the 2018 Governor's Award from the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. The Governor's Award was created in 1978 to honor an individual, company, organization, or project for outstanding achievement in the arts and sciences or management of television. CBS will receive the award on behalf of Star Trek during the Creative Arts Emmy Awards Ceremony on September 8th. In a statement, the chair of the Governor's Award Committee, Mark Spatney, said, quote, Not only have all the Star Trek franchises promoted inclusiveness and acceptance of all people and inspired creative thought about space exploration and our future, but the technical innovations sparked by the franchise are incredibly significant to the evolution of television production and also to the communication and computer tools we use in our daily life, end quote. This is the first time the award has been presented to a fictional franchise, at least as far as I can tell, and if anything, it's overdue, and it's a nice feather in the cap for Star Trek for all it's accomplished in its 52 years of existence. If you want to check out the Creative Arts Emmy ceremony this year, you can catch it on September 15th at 7 p.m. on FXX. All right, class is in session. Come on, everybody, settle down. This week, our guest lecturer is Dr. David A. Banks. David is a writer, researcher, and teacher who holds a Ph.D. in science and technology studies, and he's taught classes on urban geography, digital design and history, and communication theory. He's also a former guest on this program. We discussed the Voyager episode, The Voyager Conspiracy, the last time he was on the show. And after talking with Dave and talking specifically about the nature of humanity's relationship with technology and digital services in the world of Trek— one question came into my mind that I just couldn't dismiss. Does Captain Picard have a Facebook account? You'll, you'll get the idea when you hear the interview. We ended up asking all kinds of questions about the world of Star Trek, a world that, to be honest, has prefigured or directly inspired many of the technological advancements that we enjoy in our modern world. But as a work of fiction made before the digital revolution, many of the social and political ramifications of our digital environment are suspiciously missing from the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th centuries seen on screen. Does Naomi Wildman play Forkknife? Does Seven of Nine spend all night on GitHub? And most importantly, is Geordi a mod on r slash redpill? I can't promise that we'll answer any of those questions in our talk, but we give it the old college try. Here's my talk with Dr. David Banks. 
the the topic or our topic today is an esoteric one and you know frankly it's a wide-ranging one it's something i've been thinking about for a while now in regards to star trek i guess the best way to sort of summarize it uh for like a pull quote would be does captain picard have a facebook account mm-hmm. and before anybody uh ats me or emails me i know that the real answer is that social media didn't exist when the show was being written but Trek has prefigured or even inspired so much of our technical development and culture. And yet for a show that's about finding new people and talking to them, they didn't see social media coming. And in fact, when you pin Trek down, its entire relationship to computing, social media, and information science is is pretty shaky. Would you agree with that assertion? Uh, Yeah, I would. Um, In fact, I would... uh, It's kind of hard to even say whether or not Star Trek... um, uh, like prophesizes or predicts, or if it creates its own predictions, you know, to be true. Like it makes them true because uh-huh. it inspires people who then go on to make things. Right. So, like the the razor flip phone, like <laughs> right. the people who made that explicitly said, like they wanted to make the the communicator, and that's yeah. why it's and that that's why it flips. Like that's that was like part of it, and the. Yeah. the and uh, um, uh, designers of of uh, of, of uh, ships of military ships have like talked to the stage um, and set designers of of Star Trek about bridges. They've you know and uh, um, and even DARPA you know um, uh, sets out challenges that say like make a tricorder. Yeah, I think I remember that I, I reported on that last year, I think. Um, I can't remember what the project was called, but yeah, the idea was to create a medical device that could essentially do like a, a set, like 100 different tasks uh, diagnostically. Yeah. And yeah, that's so weird. Do you think that it's just Trek's position as kind of, you know, the, the leader, the preeminent sort of example of speculative fiction in popular culture that puts it in that role? Or was there something about... Because, I mean, somebody would have come along and came up with an iPad eventually, right, if Trek did right. But yeah. were they doing it at a, at a, at a certain um, time that was very influential? Or is it just the fact that they're, they're the only game in town? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the people that... Um, I think, you know, like, the age of the people that are, like, at the top of um, engineering and design fields are at the right age that TNG would have been influential to them as a kid probably so you know i i I think that that definitely matters um you know i I would like to hear you know what like in the people that that like you know put together a siri or alexa like are they constantly (laughs) thinking about uh, like is like are they constantly thinking about you know like you know hello computer earl gray hot please (laughs) right um or or is that or is that something that's like imposed on uh, on that by the the tech uh, media that covers it and say, oh, you'll now you'll be because every you know when Alexa came out and you know all those voice assistants that was like the first thing they they referenced right it was like sure, yeah. it's just like Star Trek right so <laughs> right. so even even if it's not um, predictive or, or a, a force in the design process although I think it is um, you know like we map it onto it anyway because you yeah. know it's like, yeah it, it, I, that happens. <laughs> I'd hope that they would know about that sort of thing. Um, but if they haven't, uh, I'd love to show them that scene where Scotty talks into a one-button mouse in Star Trek IV, just blow their minds with that. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. Transparent idea, aluminum? 
Which yes. is also a thing, apparently now. That is apparently that, a thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's called like like I think it's like. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that I know uh, <laughs> material science. Never. Uh, I, it's an interesting point that you make about the generation, you know, or the age, or, or, or when the people sort of grew up uh, that are making or at least developing these things. I've said this before on the show. Uh, that all of Trek, in my opinion, um, up to and maybe including the new show Discovery, is still defined by this cultural mold that was cast in the 60s, like this this kind of toe-dipping flirtation with, with counterculture, you know, in the days of Camelot. If you took a phaser out of everybody's hand and replaced it with a six-shooter and gave him a cowboy hat, most Trek shows are basically bonanza, or like a cowboy show. Absolutely. And they have been for 50 years. And, and this isn't, you know, this isn't a show where we're going to try to critique the stranglehold that the baby boomers have on culture, but even when Trek tried to update its list of social issues that it was addressing, it, it, it's really late to the party on a lot of things. And to me, Trek staying abreast of the changing digital landscape is like your grandma trying to figure out how to tweet you. And once she does, it's all hysterical Newsweek articles. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. There's so so many places to go there. Yeah. You know, like one, one thing is that um, several sociologists have pointed out that, um, you know, once... Uh, 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 Westerns died down with the rise of cop procedurals. Hmm. <laughs> okay. The the idea being the, the the explanation being that um, we went from uh, the sort of rural uh, I uh, um, uh, force of like sort of like white empirical or empiricist like man you know like the sure. the, the frontier uh, spirit yeah, yeah yeah like that yeah the frontier spirit like the the um, uh, american like claiming uh uh land for uh america that belonged to other people right you know like that um that shifted to uh essentially maintaining empire where you say that oh the big cities are uncontrollable and un- untamable and so the 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 frontier is internal and it's maintaining order sure right and and it does work pretty the timing works out pretty well like you know you, the, the a lot of a lot of westerns disappear and you start getting like uh um the naked city and, and things like that yeah yeah and nypd blue and and, yeah. and and uh law and order and stuff like that i mean it's even called law and order right you know it's like it's a uh, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's in the name yeah so yeah, um and, and and trek falls into a weird category where it's like it's still it still feels like a western in that it's going out right it's not doing it, i guess maybe deep, deep space nine comes the closest to um kind of like cop procedural because one it has someone you know like nicknamed constable right and and right. it and it is um dealing with a lot of like Ah, uh, the Federation isn't as perfect as it, as you think it is. But 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 there's a contradiction in there because that is they are on the frontier, right? They they're they're supposed to be at the edge more than yeah TNG was, and and Voyager's somewhere else entirely. And the uh, core utopian values are never questioned. It's always people who have strayed from them or have perverted them. You know, even yeah. when Cisco's, um, like in uh, Homefront and Paradise Lost, when Cisco's superiors are doing something, even they're doing something that they think is serving their ideals. And Cisco, you know, and the good guys are like, no, no, you've perverted those ideals. We all know what those ideals are. They're locked in a vault somewhere, and you've strayed from them somehow. But th- those ideals are never ever questioned. Yeah, yeah, and to get back to your point about you know like yeah, uh, uh, grandma tweeting Newsweek <laughs> at you, 
you know, it's, um, you know, yeah, of course there is like, you know, you can't expect too much from t- television writers to, you know, predict the, the rise of, of, of media. But, you know, the other thing is like, you know, well, let's, this is, uh, this is like my broadest sort of argument about, about social media is that social media that we have now, right. Isn't, isn't the kind of social media that would exist in some other society, which is just a way of saying, you know, that, that our, that social media technology is a product of the society that it, that it was designed in. Right. And so, uh, would a socialist, socialist utopia that can go anywhere, uh, either through starships or transporters have a use for Facebook, right? Like what, (laughs) what, 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 what is it good for if you can instantly transport your full body somewhere? Right. So in some ways, transporters are the, are social media, but you do, but you do see, um, uh, 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 Times where, like, you know, like when an admiral is giving an order, right? They basically Skype in, right, and, and talk <laughs> <Yeah>, to, right, <laughs> and, and talk to the captain or whatever. Um, or now they, they or, just appear, yeah, on and, your and, and on your dis- ship, yeah. And in Discovery, they've decided that, like, that, yeah, that it needs to be um, a a hologram, and they did that a little bit. Like Shinzon does that in in Nemesis. He he yeah. he he pours in as a hologram, and and I, I think I that makes sense cinematically but then i always think about like well like what does the other person look like to them because sometimes they're sitting down so like are they sitting down like (laughs) like i don't know i don't like it doesn't make sense but but then when you think about it it's like maybe that other person is sitting down too and the it just makes them look like yeah maybe they're naked they're just getting out of the shower right yeah yeah exactly yeah so it could it could you know it's like um it's like a bitmoji right or like some sort of (laughs) you know character that you make for yourself (laughs) It just it just makes you look very presentable, no matter what you actually look like, right? You know, like we, sure. you don't have it doesn't have to be representative of what you look like in that moment, right? It just needs <laughs> to it has it just needs to synthesize your voice and look like you and move your mouth in a way that isn't too uncanny, which yeah. is completely doable, right? Because they have um, a a a, a, a right? So it's like it's not that's not hard to do. So like why why bother? Like just making a, uh, making a facsimile, just do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we can nail uh, deep fakes like pretty well in the 21st century, it should be easy to make a fake recording to uh, to convince the Romulans to enter the war. But Cisco can't even get that right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading an IO9 article that was nominally about this topic, and the author remarked on the almost Victorian lives of the characters in Star Trek, like. For fun, they they read uh, like Shakespeare or they listen to chamber music and they have these academic pastimes. And like Jake and Nog just sit at people, uh, sit and, and uh, people watch. Um, That's a really almost... nice way of saying like ogling at women. But yeah, well, that too. <laughs> All the majority <laughs> women. But, yeah, but you can that. almost you can almost see them in like flat caps, like throwing rocks at pigeons or something like that. And there's no one. No one's got a cell phone. There's not like a TV that's always on and quarks, you know, except for your communicator which they're only ever used for business, it's very easy to be completely alone in this world, uh, unlike the constant updates and notifications and message-received dings of our reality. I can't tell if that's a bug or a feature of the 24th century. Yeah, so, I mean, like, one read on that is, um, well, social media isn't isn't actually designed to help you keep in touch with people. It's designed to hold your attention 
so that it can be sold to advertisers, right? Yeah, right. Right, and so like, and if you think about it that way, then yeah, of course, a socialist utopia wouldn't have that, right? Because there's no point. Yeah, there's like that. There's no reason for that to exist. Isn't there's that one moment in um, DS9 where Quark has put um, advertisements on all the replicators? Yeah. <laughs> so when you like order, you know, a plate of spaghetti or something, it says "Come to Quarks," and of course, everybody immediately—that's just a, like a teaser because they yeah, shut they that just down, absolutely like, right flip away. out. They're like, "That's disgusting. Why would yeah, you do right. that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's like, man, yeah, you're right. That is disgusting. Come to Vermont, you know. <laughs> there's no billboards. Yeah, but um. Yeah, so that's that, that's one way to to look at it. Is just like there, you know, social media isn't to keep you in touch with people. It's it's to sell you things, and so of course it doesn't exist in the Star Trek universe. The the other um, way to look at it, I, I I suppose, is that it like um, you're looking at the military or at least you know Starfleet as a as a exploring organization that might have a lot of restrictions on those sure. things, right? Sure. You know, it's just the people that you're looking at have restrictions. So like if, for example, in the United States military, it was only in 2010, which I guess is pr- pretty fairly recent that like you're allowed that, that all branches of the military like had to open all social media, uh, and then close off certain things for operational reasons, for sure. operational security reasons, right. Or something like that. And then like all then, and they're not allowed to like look at uh, pornography or like, and politics, basically it's like, you know, um, sure, uh, sure. uh, like hate, hate speech sort of stuff. Right. And, and they, and they have separate networks for, uh, like non-classified stuff versus classified stuff. So, so there's that, you know, so it might, it might, it might also be that, but that's like sort of a less interesting way to, way to look at things. Right. Because, uh, um, I don't, I don't know, that, that just doesn't seem very creative or interesting or fun conversation to have. It's just like, oh, well, everyone else has it, but you just don't get to see it, right? But there is like the, I forget the name of the episode, but it's like an early TNG episode where uh, um, it's basically the the D.A.R.E. episode where the, uh, it's drugs, but it's a video yeah. game. Yeah. Which uh, I do believe is like a Reagan, like say no to drugs funded episode. Like that's, okay. how, that's how they did that. Is like, they're like, well, it won't be, he's like, you're, is Roddenberry still alive? And he's like, well, no one, no one in uh, in Starfleet does drugs, right? So yeah, right, right. So what else can there be? Oh, there can be like a game, and like games are fun. And then like, oh man, oh no, the game that actually plays with your serotonin. Oh no, which yeah. is what which is uh, <laughs> uh, what social media does a lot, right? It's supposed to exactly. hit, to give you a hit of that, which is ultimately right. A, a, you know, just like the thing that your brain produces when it sees something that it likes, right? Yeah. Um. And the, but then there is like all of the, there's the argument, there's the argument of like, well, you know, if you design something to constantly give it to you when, to keep you uh, active on the site, you know, is that uh, designing something with addictive qualities, right? Yeah, and it like seems that. like they would be, they'd be very against that. Even, yeah. I mean, but on that topic of serotonin and just doing things for a, um, pleasurable response um whether it's conscious or unconscious we, we just don't see people having fun or i guess we just don't we don't see people like killing time i mean there's yeah. a lot of episodes where like specifically a child who doesn't have the military or scientific occupation that you'll see in starfleet they're just sitting by themselves in a dark room you know or they're wandering <laughs> the halls i mean like yeah. Naomi, Naomi wildman's fine and all but isn't there's like some Fortnite she should be playing or she's ghost riding the delta flyer or something like that like we just yeah. don't see people screwing around a lot 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, part of that, I think, is, and by the way, I, th- I think it actually might be dopamine, not serotonin. I don't know. I'm not. Oh, yeah. Mind. Dopamine. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it was, uh, um, yeah. I mean, so part of that, I think, is maybe like a liberal affectation of like the best humanity can be is, you know, really excited <laughs> about, class- yeah, about Shakespeare <laughs> and classical music. Right. It yeah. can't be about Logan Paul and Fortnite because that's like <laughs> categorically not the best humanity can be, you know, or what I, I don't really agree with that, but fine. Right. So (laughs) I think that's probably what it's sort of trying to relay. Like that's why (laughs) it makes it, it makes it kind of sound like Star Trek then is just a salve or, or masturbation for baby boomers with liberal leanings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Not to hot take this, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it is kind of like, um, it feels very much like the like the the Brooklyn toy store that's all wooden blocks. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and they're all black and white, right? Because yeah, kids don't it, need color. Yeah, right. Yeah, too too stimulating. Can't can't overstimulate. <laughs> right, and it's like, I, but then on the other hand, I'm thinking like, well, if you absent all of the um, the 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 capitalist desires to like both accumulate things. And, I, and I, I should say manufactured desires, right? To accumulate things and to uh, um, like do uh, do stuff for the sake of either uh, monetizing attention or or uh, garnering some sort of uh, following because you, you yourself you have to be a, a brand of one or right. whatever. You know, like absent all of those things, you know, I I, I think it's actually it's part of our present society that we have a hard time imagining what something outside of that would be like. I think sure. that's part of being trapped in that is having a hard time uh, building an imagination of what it would be like with, with, in some, something completely different. And, yeah. and, and, and so when we make Star Trek, it's like, oh, well, what, well, what is like the, the stereotypically like highest ideal separated from the hoi polloi that you can get? Right. And it's like this bourgeois, uh, you know, uh, uh, idea of like uh, sipping Earl Grey and, and and reciting Shakespeare. And and that's super fun to you. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and I think there I think there was also uh, I, and I think this is the right idea of like uh, Star Trek never wanting to be too newsy or like <laughs> up to date. You know, right. So there like there's no reference to like i don't know devo right in the, in, uh, in tng yeah. right they're not talking about like uh, you know there was a ancient music called madonna you know right they're like right. they don't do anything like that i mean uh, they've got the beastie boys right that's yeah. like it took them 50 years to get there and but and you know i don't like it i <laughs> well, you know you <laughs> and, and, and but i think it's only because it's only the beastie boys you know like stop you know, like okay okay kirk loves the beastie boys that's fine like that can be canon that's fine Right, but but like, at least play one more song from the from their canon, right? Or, yeah. right, or just like something in the genre. I don't, just, eh, God, anything. Um, you you uh, uh, you mentioned news before, and something that really gets me about Trek is that we never get a sense of how news is distributed. There's a scene uh, at the end of DS9's, I think it's the fourth season, where everybody's watching a screen outside of Quarks, 
which I don't remember ever being there before. And Gauron is like declaring war on the Federation. Right. And everybody's watching it. It looks like a scene from like a disaster movie, uh, a scene that you yep. don't see anymore because we have phones where everybody's on the street and they're looking in at the at the RCA shop, you know, and they're <laughs> all watching the coverage of Godzilla, you know, destroying the city or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, it struck me that I've never seen a shot like that in Trek before. And I don't know if they were consciously avoiding doing stuff like that or if writing this story uh, the DS9 story about this war meant that they had to go, well, we have to do that type of shot because that's just how we know that people are picking up, you know, and apprehending news. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like the, uh, there's like, it, it kind of, it it's a little, maybe it's a little half-assed or at least it, it's not fully developed is um, when Jake wants to be a reporter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and then you just sort of get like these like, and then, yeah, it is sort of like Victorian again, right? Like you should have like a little card in his hat or something, and you're like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, well, what, well, like what a, he's like trying to get like like a story, and 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 like right. running after people, and like you know, you know, like tr talking about journalistic integrity, which is super weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have it, loved to have gotten uh, David Simon to write on the seventh <laughs> season of DS9, and yeah. have a whole like uh, Generation Kill kind of war diaries uh, sort of view <laughs> of the uh, Dominion War. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's it, the, um, but it, you know, like looking at the production side of news as far as we can with with. Jake Sisko. And then there is that one moment in Star Trek Generations at the very beginning. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Right, where there's just like people with like headgear, like staring, like like getting really close in. And that's really the only the only two depictions of quote unquote the press that yeah. you see in Star Trek. And in, why do you need well my question is why do you need like multiple press outlets if you know nobody right. owns them and they don't have like I mean do they have competing views or ideologies you know and are they they don't have any advertisers like you mentioned before so like why are there like 14 different like outlets yeah yeah I mean and I mean like ideology would be one in fact you know there is um it should be said that we we live or maybe we used to live in a in a particularly unique moment in in media history where everyone watched or read the same thing right, right. so like the, the idea of everyone sitting down to uh, listen to the nightly news and everyone hears and sees the same nightly news it's actually fairly it's a blip in like the long time of everyone getting uh the news or just like hearing about what happened it was either gossip you know very early on it you know it's oral history Right. right or or it's being told to you in lots of different ways by uh some someone in regional authority and yeah. then and then and then and then once uh literacy you know picks up uh newspapers um and 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 uh, and pamphlets and whatever are are very ideological and and very partisan yeah uh and uh, um and, and and so and I think we're kind of getting back to that now in a lot of ways um and i and, and so and yeah and so maybe in star trek you're like yeah there's more uh uh there's more than one reporter one for accuracy for 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 ideological reasons the other one could be uh could be accuracy right so um the uh uh the fe um is feminist um uh, sociologist of science, or you might actually, it's probably more accurate to call her a philosopher. Uh, Sandra Harding uh, describes objectivity, or actually strong objectivity, she calls it, as um, getting multiple perspectives on the same thing and from different 
subject, what she calls subject positions, right? So like different kinds of people or people from different walks of life all observing the same thing together. Um, the synthesis of all of those observations is much more closer to what we might call ob objective than mm. one person saying something is true because they observed it, right? Interesting, and, yeah. And so maybe multiple people, you know, so you'd imagine like, especially in such a heterogeneous, diverse world like the Federation or, you know, Federation of Worlds, right? As a Federation, sure. uh, you, you know, you would need multiple people telling lots of different perspectives because uh, uh, maybe the same event is interpretable in multiple ways from lots of different cultures that aren't completely, you know, turned into one under the Federation, right? Sure. So like, so maybe, maybe it's just like, you know, there's maybe beta Zs just care about what people felt in the event, not okay. the actual, right? You yeah, know, like not right. the actual events, you know, something like that. If they had made any of the journalists non-human, I think that would have really worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have, yeah. Uh, and yeah. even in a uh, socialist uh, paradise, there's still going to be some socialists who say, it's not socialist enough. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's probably one of the defining qualities of, of yeah. socialism is saying it's not, not enough. <laughs> I think it was in that same io9 article that the author made the point that our advancements in this century um, have led to some of the act, like a realization of some of the dystopic elements from some sci-fi worlds, like media disinformation, you know, economic upheaval and inequality, climate change, you know, information security concerns. So, like maybe Trek can't fully encomp uh, encompass modern technological trends because it's got to keep the utopian band together. Like it, those are the stories it wants to tell. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah, or the, I guess the other way to put that, it, it, maybe this is saying the same thing, is that like it, on the track that we're on, this is just basically all the misinformation, all the terrible things has to go away before you get to like you know Star Trek Utopia, right? So like this is a great way to get to World War Three and the eugenics wars, <laughs> but, well, yeah, true, right? And, yeah. Then, and then and then that has to go away, right? And then someone has to. Uh, use a ICBM in Montana to go to warp. And... <laughs> yeah, but usually, like th this is when we would fly to another planet and say, you know, oh, they're all wearing Google Glass, you know, and it's a nightmare or something like that. Yeah, like, that's why the ship goes to other civilizations so we can tell those stories, like as allegory. Right. Yeah, and I think there's also so th this is uh, there's also just sort of like the role of like what where we think technology and specifically information technology or digital stuff, like what role and how much of a role it should play in our society, right? So it shouldn't, it doesn't necessarily have to follow that just because we can completely recreate worlds in a holodeck or fly between worlds faster than light. It doesn't necessarily follow that then also we are in, constantly inundated with social media or like the thing that, the things that we presently considered to be the, you know, like the furthest along in, 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 uh, in technology, technological development. Right. So yeah. like these like technology can go in all sorts of different directions and it's not always linear and it's not always, um, uh, like things building on top of each other. We, for, you know, like societies forget certain knowledges or they find them not important anymore. Right. And then you, and you go do other ones. Right. right? So, so it is also possible that, you know, we just stopped caring about uh, about you know the, the things that make iphones work and instead you know went and tried and did something 
That's that's great headcanon, but like yeah. Trek has never. I think if the writers had actually thought about it that way or thought of that, Trek has never stopped like uh, spiking the football in terms of the things that it feels like uh, it's proud that we've outgrown. You know, sure. like nobody ever nobody ever misses a chance to say that they don't like have money anymore. Absolutely. That television was this you know fad of a entertainment thing yeah, uh, the back in the 20th century like you guys are on tv like why are you <laughs> negging tv <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah basically it's like telling you you all are tom paris like you're like right. every single star trek fan is no better than tom paris pretty right. much yeah right uh yeah it's um yeah yeah that's true yeah uh Info- I, information security uh specifically it's, it's something that makes almost no sense in Trek. I was watching a DS9 episode the other day. Uh, it was the one where Keiko gets possessed by a paw wraith, and oh, yeah. Chief O'Brien's trying to think of a way to incapacitate her without hurting her. At sure. first, he asks the computer uh, the computer to locate her. Then he has the computer perform an invasive scan on her medical condition. Then he starts spitballing incapacitation scenarios with the computer, like, what if I shot her with a phaser? Or uh, what would happen if I hit her with knockout gas? And none yeah. of this requires her consent. And as All for right. like military security, the chief doesn't even have have a commission he's just a petty officer like yeah how, how can he do all this stuff yeah well, yeah why does he has access to all yeah there's like shouldn't there be like yeah like like ferpa viol- you know, like it was like like hepa violations or something yeah right yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, um uh, uh i you know in discovery i think it, it might even get worse right because like then they're they i i think they're they're just like i don't know what's a cool way to identify someone that we haven't tried yet i know breath prints yeah right. and then they're and then they're like and then she just like collects some like some saliva off of tilly's pillow and like blows it into the and uses like a a a, a hypo spray to like blow it into the thing and it's like accepted and then she's in it's like that was way too easy yeah they don't even have like retinal scans and even retinal scans from a science sci-fi perspective is like that's that's some old uh biometric security there are right. uh, biometrics something that's taken seriously in trek with these examples running around yeah well i mean like so i was like i was just watching um uh, 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 defiant the 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 Thomas Riker episode of Deep Space right. Nine, right? And uh, he and uh, Kira, right? Like he woos Kira onto the Defiant, uh, and and she and he's and like everything's locked down, and she just and she and she just like says like her uh, password one two. First of all, everyone has like password like password one two three set as their <laughs> yeah, right. password. Yeah. Right, or it's like like how like, like when Kirk blows up the Enterprise, it's like one, two, three, Alpha, Mark, or something, <laughs> yeah. like something. Admin, yeah, yeah. It's like that's the password. Like, no, come on, man. It's like the Spaceballs thing is like <laughs> <laughs> right. password is one, two, three, four. It's like some some asshole's luggage. <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I, so like you know, it's just like voice recognition is is pretty much it, which doesn't cover half the transporter accident problems like a Thomas Riker, right? Like, so now all of a sudden you would imagine Will Riker and Thomas Riker have the same access to everything. Yeah. They're physically the same person. And And like a transporter can identify, or like even the sensors can identify you by your individual life signs. But if you beam Thomas Riker aboard, a guy who sure at one point was genetically similar to Will Riker, but has he had the same shots, the same diseases? Like, right. Is there a, isn't there like a database somewhere that his bioscience can be checked against when he comes aboard? Like how do how do those informatics even work in Starfleet? Right. I mean, presumably there are right because they're constantly like saying where is this person and is this person the person that we think it is and they check you know like his yeah. and they they make vague reference to records and yeah. the way that they tell that. 
Thomas Riker and Will Riker are like genetically the same person but somehow different is they, they describe brainwave patterns. Okay, well, there they, you go. They, they, they ident- <laughs> uh, uh, Crusher identifies him based on brainwave patterns, um, specifically the ones, f- and most of them are formed in early childhood is, what she, is, is how she describes sure. it, right? Um, whatever the hell that means, right? Yeah. But um, uh, the, the, the super nerdy, like social science nerdy thing that you could, go, you could go with that is that if you live in a society that is supposed to afford a lot of individual freedom while still mm. having a lot of uh, socialized services, right? Those two things often work in ca- counter to one another quite mm. often. No, because, vo- no voter ID in uh, the 24th century. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so like in order to um, like provide services, you usually have to track things. And, you know, and sometimes and, – and it's this real catch-22, right? So like if you want to provide some sort of um, uh, relief based on class or race or gender – you have to keep track of race, class, and gender, right? And so then that creates databases of those things, and, and that can be used for good and bad, right? right, and, right. and then, Or, like, if you want to, you know, like, when Democrats wanted to create a database of, like, mentally ill people to keep weapons away from them, it's like, okay, do I want the federal government keeping, like, a centralized database of everyone that has been, you know, diagnosed with schizophrenia or or bipolar disorder or something like that. Oh, not yeah. really. You know, it's like, like that, that seems kind of bad. Uh, um, it, well, it is. And the way that data yeah. concerns aren't really taken into account, uh, and we don't expect like the writers of a sci-fi show to be able to project all this stuff into the future, but, yeah. but the way they don't take that into account, you think that that would absolutely exist. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can't think of any examples, but a database like that has to exist in the 24th century of Star Trek. And so I wonder, like, what's the status of data privacy? Like you mentioned providing yeah. services, you know, scamming uh, the Federation for your Andorian grandmother's, like, welfare uh, becomes less of a problem when you've solved, uh, like, scarcity. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it definitely could still be a factor. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so definitely part of it is, like, you know, if you solve most social problems, then... Then most of the most of those concerns go away, right? Yeah, yeah because like there's no one uh, desperate enough to like steal your identity, right? Or like unless they want to steal even... your ship, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Unless they're Thomas Riker and they want to steal your ship because they're a Maki terrorist, right? You know, yeah. yeah. Which which then like does so like this, it requires that the state solve social problems very quickly if they don't have those security measures in place, right? Like they want to placate people immediately because you know like if some if people get too angry. Then like they form terrorist cells, and then like all the stuff that you haven't done for security purposes really bites you, right? Uh, and right. In, and in a world of you know lack uh, that doesn't lack or that you know that has no scarcity, right? That just has replicators all the time. It's like kind of seems like you could always sort of you know just give people things until they until they shut up. Right? That's really uh, interesting. There's a there's a series of um, sci-fi books that I'm a big fan of um, by the late author Ian M. Banks. And it's about a uh, spacefaring uh, race or um, civilization called the culture. And they're very similar to, they're sort of an anarchic uh, socialist utopia, uh, similar to the Federation. And they maintain no military uh, really at all. And if they're ever threatened or they discover or contact a uh, threatening race, they immediately switch 
like all of their production and industry to creating they don't call them warships, but they are essentially te technologically superior warships. And then they just bear down on whatever it is, try to solve the confrontation, you know, or the problem um, with technological superiority and also like ideological, you know, negotiation. And then as soon as that's over, they just turn all the swords into plowshares and go back to being like this, you know, hedonistic sort of <laughs> civilization. And yeah. it's like, I could kind of see the uh, Federation doing that, except it's just so still... The idea of them, and they're not a military, but they're totally a military Starfleet. It, yeah. Those ideas are still so based in like 20th century uh, society, like the way that we sort of view how we deal with the other. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, you know, and yeah, no, no relation uh, uh, to to Ian, but yeah, the uh, uh, the um, I, I I haven't read that book, but I'm familiar with like the idea of, uh, of like the ideas in that book, and I. I I, I really do like I like the idea, and I, li I like that how to play with those. Um, what I would call I would call those as like cultural fixes, right? So instead of, a, and that's not my 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 word. That's a, a another scholar named Linda Lane, um, who's very good. And you should read her work. But the um, the idea is that you know it, instead you can fix a problem with a technology, right. you could fix it with like a social institution. Right. Sure. Or you can fix it with culture. You can like make people care or not care about something. You can create a, sure. a rich, a ritual that deals with a problem. Right. You can do all these other things that, um, make the, like that take the place actually of, of, of technology as a, as a means of, of dealing with some sort of problem. And so, and, yeah, and, the, and the, and that, so like export culture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like, uh, um, you know, China has a very long history of, you know, of establishing trade relationships with countries or with nations that it it might find as a threat, right? And if you're trading with them, it, you know, you, you suddenly, you know, don't want to go to war with them because you need sure. their stuff, yeah. right? Is it like that, like, you know, like that, that happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, there's a, um, uh, one one uh, vocabulary word that that's useful to think about with with all this stuff that um, you know the uh, the French theorist Michel Foucault came up with called biopolitics, right? Where it's all it's the politics of maintaining life, right? So okay. uh, the ability to say who can you know the original sort of like you know kings and queens sovereignty is just saying you know like who lives or dies, right? You know like off with his head, right? Sure. That's a really simple version. But then as you get into more modern nation states, you get to say how you might live okay, or sure. or uh, who gets to reproduce. Right. And so you get uh, which is like why. And, and, and the, the, Star, the Star Trek universe has a very firm uh, idea of that. And it's like no eugenics. Right. So like they reject right. that sort of like who should reproduce that. That's not okay, and that, and that's uh, uh, you know, you know, Nazis had that idea, and that was bad, right? Yeah, so, right. I think they yeah, made so a mistake there. Yeah, yeah, keep 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 that idea, right? But <laughs> but then there's also like you know, uh, um, uh, it being against the law to commit suicide, right? Like like why you know you're thinking like well why does that rule exist, right? Or like why yeah. would, why did rules against uh, 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 gay sex exist or sodomy laws, right? You know like all of those laws have to be for something perhaps more than just like hating gay people or 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 something like that right it's it's about who gets to reproduce the society right yeah. 
that, and, that, that's yeah. you brought up uh, you brought up suicide, and that's something that has always sort of fascinated me about the Star Trek universe because there are more than a than a few um, stories uh, on the various shows about characters who are contemplating suicide or have made a decision to take their own lives, and it's almost never. Like, I just thought, like, the utopian federation that's all about, like, personal sovereignty would be like, okay, I mean, we'll give you all the yeah. help and the services and the counseling and support that you want. But if you make that decision, then it's kind of your decision. And there's a, I've been talking about DS9 a lot today, but there's a DS9 episode where Worf's brother, who is part of the Klingon uh, culture, a different culture, wants Worf to kill him. Yeah. And the Federation basically stops him and they go to the limit where they erase his memory in order to keep him alive, which is, seems opposite to the values of the Federation. Right. And and that's uh, also opposite of what Janeway decides um, when a Q shows up and wants to die. Right. Yeah. Right. And then for, and then you know, it's because, you know, Qs break all storylines. So you just have to say, well, this is just the way it is because Q wants it that way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, she, like Janeway gets to be judge, uh, uh, where, and, and there also Riker makes a, a guest appearance. Uh, Riker keeps showing up in these, yeah. but, um, uh, yeah, in, in that one, I think she makes a comment about how like suicide is just not allowed in the Federation and she personally doesn't like it and all these other, th- and then, mm. but then she also says like, however, like this. I can't like I can't find a basis for something like a Q to say, you know, to say that they can't end their life. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, that that Q is supposed to be um, like sort of like a like a, a Socrates sort of figure. Right. He calls himself a, right. a philosopher and he walks and he brings them to the Q continuum and is and they're all bored. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And he's like, what sort of life is this? What's the me? You know, what what is life good for if it looks like this? And <laughs> and, and 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 of course, the 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 puny humans, for them, it's like, well, the the universe is expansive, and so like we can't be bored. And perhaps maybe that's where it comes from is that like some sort of, um, I, mean, I don't know if you want to call it paternalism or whatever, right? It's just like the Federation is like, there's so many cool stuff though, like. Right. Don't, don't they've, die. There's so many cool things. They've never met an ennui that they couldn't lick. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and, and or or it could just be, you know, it's a, uh, um, it's something that uh is sort of like the avarice of you know like every every exterior culture to the Federation constantly talks about how smug and arrogant Starfleet is, right? So right. so part of that could be like could could influence that as well right this like civilizational culture of um you don't know what's best for you if you make certain decisions for yourself then that's obviously the wrong decisions to make i mean obviously it's the same culture that came up with synthahol right <laughs> so, right yeah so it, that seems sort of on brand uh, that's about um, as close yeah and that's about as close as uh to self-awareness i think that uh trek gets as an institution yeah um, they don't often dig into their own thing and i don't maybe they think it's because the bubble of their utopia can't take too many uh pricks but i don't know i think it can this is out of left field but i was thinking about this the other day Everything I I love the fact that everything is aggressively networked on Starfleet ships. You know, every other week 
something in the holodeck becomes self-aware and immediately has access to all ship functions. <laughs> like so as far as like their security goes, shouldn't there be like an like an air gap between the holodeck computers and like critical ship systems? Yeah. Um, and it would be good for privacy as well because if you want this is all about the holodeck. If you want to run your special, you know, Rise of Spring Break number 5 program, you you load it onto isolinear rods, you know, or a physical media and then you can just bring it down to the holodeck and and sw swap it in and there is no problem of somebody accident you know you know you don't log out of the holodeck computer or something and somebody gets to see all your programs yeah and i mean i mean it also like doesn't make sense that i don't know every once in a while like you i think it's usually janeway where they're like um she's really busy and really busy means like there's a pile of pads on yeah, right. her desk <laughs> yeah and it's like well, what i what <laughs> yeah i thought they were like you can just like get I, yeah like that doesn't make any sense you know so it's like it, it, there, there's no real consistency it seems between those sorts of i uh the, yeah like how d uh information passes between hardware and like man you should have really like fixed this problem by now like yeah. by air gapping the 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 holodeck and then there's also like the the inconsistency of like how different things are considered real or fake right oh, based boy. on those technologies right so it's a whole other show yeah right yeah it was where like data should should become human but the doctor even in the seventh season is like constantly being like belittled as not quite real right, right? you know uh, um whereas in the in, in the first seasons they just like shut him off mid-sentence right but then they, yeah, right. they get a little bit nicer to him and, and i do i do like that you know sort of as as television that like you could that they, that they that they have these different interactions with art with artificial life but it's um uh but it 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 does seem really strange and then like i i think i've talked about this before with you but the the fact that you know like the doctor writes photons be free and it like gets to all of these other holograms that are basically enslaved right yeah They're in like a mining right and then they start like passing along this this like manifesto and then it just drops you know and it's like yep. and it's like <laughs> did they either like genocide an entire race of you know holographic beings or did they erase all their memories right like there's right. They, like well as we're talking about all of these things it does definitely seem like there's some sort of really sinister dark um uh control over uh individuals that yeah. seems to pop up every once in a while implicitly in the yeah. show those stories sneak through every once in a while it's like yeah. the, what was it like the last second to last episode of tng the enterprise computer essentially becomes self-aware and creates an entirely new uniform that just flies off and they're like huh that was that was strange and right. they just go back to what they were doing yeah yeah, the, yeah. scary implications yeah they don't really keep uh keep track of those things yeah um <laughs> I was uh, you said uh, you spoke about data before, uh, and a different kind of data uh, is what I want to talk about. I kept running into the term big data uh, mm -hmm. when I was reading up for this show, and I'm pretty sure that's not a larger version of commander data that they're talking about. Can you can you give us a sense of what what big data is as an idea? Yeah, no, it's just a 14 foot tall Brent Spiner. Yeah, no, right. Um, yeah, no, it's a um, right. So the, there's, I mean, like the term is not very well defined or used like you you can it's it's a it's a buzzword that sure. you know can get you grant funding so so quite often <laughs> it's, it's overused uh, which means uh you know it's it's 
very hard to give a concise definition. But you know, essentially, you know, as as we live in a world that we that um, constantly collects data about you and about you know, like just ambient scenarios and 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 situations, you know, whether we mean to or not, we're creating all of this data that can be used for everything from, you know, uh, selling you mattresses to, uh, you know, fi- uh, figuring out geopolitics or whatever, you right. know, it's, um, uh, they, they create massive amount that creates massive amounts of data that is, and I think the the thing about big data is that it's so big that humans can't work with it alone, right? Okay. You need some sort of, um, algorithmic help to uh to get through it all um mm-hmm. is uh, otherwise it it would just be like exponentially too big to like to handle to like to do anything useful with okay. uh and so you you need some sort of uh powerful uh um mathematics and and computer uh hardware and software to sort sort through it all and make it useful sure. uh and and the and the th- and what is uh, I, I, I would say another hallmark is that it can bring about um, information from massive amounts of data that you couldn't get otherwise, right? So it, it makes inferences, it finds correlations uh, that uh, wouldn't be able to be discovered without all of this uh, extra and without first collecting a, a whole bunch of information. And yeah. then the problem becomes, you know, uh, do you, uh, like, I, I said correlation, but, it, but it's not necessarily causation, right? Yeah, and right. So, and so a lot of big data, and this is sort of a, a, a problem with social media, is like they'll find these correlations and assume that they're causations or right. just assume, or assume something else underneath, right? So, like, um assuming that interacting with something on Facebook for longer means that you like it more. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, I can't, that's not always true at all. You know, like, you know, if you, if you're, uh, uh, telling off your racist uncle, right. You know, like that's not you being happy. Right. Yeah. And you, it, it's, it's you, it's you being frustrated and like engaging with something because you think it's either important or maybe you're just trolling him or whatever. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Um, but, but, the, but the Facebook algorithm is like, Ooh, you stay, you stayed on the site for five more minutes when that thing showed up. So we'll show you more of those things. Right. right? And, and that is, um, at least in part, and they, they, they discovered this, uh, too late for them, uh, because, you know, like, uh, user, um, accounts sort of like fell off a cliff at some, I, I forgot what exactly what time it was, but they, 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 they sort of found out that people were sad on their platform a lot, even though they thought they were optimizing for happiness. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. And, and, uh, and that's when, um, you started getting a lot of, uh, words from Mark Zuckerberg about like quality and time well spent and yeah, mindfulness right, right. and all of these things that, that keep coming out. It's not because they actually care about like how you feel, right? They just, right. They, they care about like your, how you map your emotions onto their platform. And yeah. if you're constantly being angry or sad on their platform, that's bad for business because, <laughs> because, and that's also why they only monitor for happiness, right? Because if they're selling ads, then uh, you don't want to, like they're looking for, you know, advertisers want happy customers, right? They want people to associate their brand with happy things. Yeah. 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 So, so, and so in Star Trek though, right? Like big data 
you know, it would have to be something that's probably like less about advertising, right? More about, I don't know, like how many pulsars there are in the universe. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, uh, uh, but, but there are like all there discovery has started to like weave this sort of computer thing. Oh, there's no way that Tilly doesn't have a Facebook account. Right. right. Yeah. So you do <laughs> at one point do get characters that you could imagine having like putting like bunny ear Snapchat filters on right, there. Yeah, on there. Right. Right? So, so one, you do get a different kind of character that seems uniquely suited to a, a digital life, but you also get, um, the characters asking the computer and talking to the computer in very different ways. Yeah. Right. So, um, there's the point, well, one, there's a very strange moment where Saru starts asking the computer how good of a captain he is. Right. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's sort of like a big data moment, right. Where he's like asking them, asking it to cross reference all these different personality traits. And that's something I guess you could really only get through, you know, like sifting, uh, for one variable, filtering one variable over, you know, massive amounts of data. Right. Yeah. Then you can, you can get some sort of correlative information there. And he, as a guy in the, when he's in the 23rd century, not even the 24th, but he trusts the AI or, or yeah. whatever uh, elevated uh, level of processing the ship's computer has to, to have, co uh, to give context on the correlation yeah. of all that data, which is like, okay, well, he, he thinks the ship can tell him whether or not he's a good captain. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a very, that, that doesn't seem to map well for me for all the other ways that they seem to have compartmentalized the computer in their lives as like something that you ask for things for, right? It seems, that seemed very un-Star Trek to just like out of the blue, like ask something, a very personal question of the computer. Yeah. The, the other, the other moment was like, um, I think this was in maybe the pilot or it was very early on where, uh, Burnham is, um, like, oh, like the ship is falling yeah. apart and yeah. she's basically like playing logic games with the computer. Right. To, yeah. Like let her out. Um, you like, yeah, the, I thought those moments were strange. Basically, she gets to override security because she debate teamed her way out. Right. And it's um, and it's not even I mean, it's a different type of security than we're used to, because you can actually convince the computer. It's not you don't have the authority. And so therefore, no, it's not an if then like the computer's actually like, hmm, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. OK, out right. you go. Yeah. Which means that like at some point. A federation, you know, a Daystrom Institute scientist or whatever had to one program ethics, right? Or like some sort of like trolley track, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, situation, right? That, so like, you think of all all the prerequisites for the computer to have to make that decision, right? You have to put you have to put that in there. You have to put in uh, all the parameters of like every single federation species and like what it takes for them to survive, right? You have to put in all of these. Um, uh, uh, all, all these other factors that have to be, you know, like hoovered up from lots of other pretty invasive monitoring. Right. Right. And so that's, that's like another moment where you, where you realize that like, Oh, they, they might actually be living in like a surveillance state. Yeah. But it's a, but it's a benevolent surveillance state. It's, and yes. there's not a whole lot of things <laughs> that can take away from you. Yeah. You just sort of give up that sort of privacy. And, yeah. you know, of course, like, you know, privacy is sort of a socially constructed, like cultural phenomenon that changes all the time. That's true. Right. So you, you could just, you know, like Federation individuals could just be totally fine with um, with that level of surveillance because they trust institutions so deeply. Yeah. I right? guess they've Where, got nothing to hide. 
Yeah, well, they, they either have nothing to hide or they trust the institution so much that if they were hiding something, they're like, oh, you know what? I shouldn't have been hiding that. You're right. You sent me a link to a story when we were talking about uh, doing this show. Um, and I even watched a TED Med talk about it. Yes. Yes. You made me watch a TED talk. Oh, oh. Uh, but the story was about something called the Human Project that from a scientific point of view is revolutionary. But from a private privacy perspective, I find terrifying. Uh, and it's... This idea that um, this human project that's uh, it's like in connection with um, NYU, um, they're going to collect data on like 100 different uh, or like or like no, it's like 10,000 different um, families uh, in New York. And it's that same idea of they're just going to do everything. They're going to grab all the data they can about them, uh, just petabytes of data and allow that to let them discover kind of emergent um, sort of properties. They, they you know, the, the, the byline or the tagline of it is, is that they're trying to quantify the, the human condition, which mm-hmm. is like, that's the, like you said before, that's the kind of thing that gets you grant money. But the, the kind of, I don't even want to call it a surveillance state because I love this show, but it's sort of like what they live in. Like we used the Keiko example before, like Starfleet has this information on you. And so, they live in like this, you know, fictional uh, sort of benevolent society. But I just kind of wonder, it just seems like that kind of data is going to gonna get leaked at some point to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and if, if, if listeners want to read along, it's a uh, data, data bodies in code space. You just Google that, 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 yeah. um, that word salad. Sure. Uh, um, uh, the, the author Shannon Mattern is, is a really good person to follow for like, uh, uh, data and uh, big data in urban environments and cities and modern life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she writes a lot of really interesting stuff and asks some important questions, but yeah, there's like, uh, in order to like make all of the Star Trek technology possible. Yeah. You have to, um, buy into these, these biopolitics, right? You have to let, um, so much of the of the state or of like you know these institutions know a lot about about you specifically so that it can can provide a bunch of stuff to you yeah or or like know what you know what what you need right yeah. it's like if if is if you're living in a in a society that gives you everything that it wants it needs to know what you want right yeah. and even even if they're in like a post scarcity world where you have replicators and free energy right um, there's still probably something that's like keeping track of everything that you've ever replicated. <laughs> right. Um, maybe Isn't not. There, there's a, there's a TNG scene where, uh, Troy tries to order a chocolate sundae, is in there? And then the computer's like, this exceeds your, you know, your set da- uh, daily caloric in- uh, requirements. Yeah. Maybe intake. something like that. Or, or even like in, in, um, in discovery that they, I don't know who decided to do this, but all of a sudden like the. The, the the replicator has like an attitude or something. Or oh yeah, they're like, ordering burritos or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or or it, like I don't know, it has like some sort of um, Michelle Obama uh, nutrition thing going on, where it's like it's like you know a uh, uh, fruit smoothie, an excellent source of fiber. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like why would in a democratic society would you ever ever want that to do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. I don't know why I would ever want. Uh, like a like a a computer to tell me like judge my food uh decisions right, right. um i guess it, or or maybe it just says positive things about what i've ordered in which case like i wonder what it, you know like 
a burrito, uh, tasty. You know, right? It's like, like, you can't, you can't say anything good about it. <laughs> Although, right. also, if it's being synthesized, like, it could probably put in, you know, whatever nutritional value, you know. You oh, mean, sure. Right? You know, Just like fill maybe, it out with sawdust, but have, like, you know, enough vitamins in it or something like that. Yeah. Nutrisweet. Yeah. yeah. No, I would imagine, like, they keep track. Like so, something has to keep track of all of that, if not just to like keep energy going in the right places, right? Like power all those replicators. But I imagine there's also like, well, if you, you know, if, uh, there's an old business school motto, right? Like you you count what you care about, right? Yeah. And so like, if and so if if the federation, in the best intentions, cares about people, right, and their and their health and well being, they have to monitor that. Right. That's sure. the only way you as a state, you can do something about the only way to do something. Right. The prerequisite is to track it. And so, yeah, there has to be like all of these like central databases of, you know, how. Yeah. How many chocolate sundaes uh, Troy has, has eaten? If anything, you know, it could be anonymized data. Right. But you oh, do sure. need at some level. Like someone, some health scientist somewhere has to be like, uh, I don't know. I'm you know, on the Australian continent. Everyone's. Uh, replicating a bunch of you know uh, extra blankets. Maybe there's something going on there that everyone's like feeling a chill. And you know, he's like, I like Google tried to do that, and it actually didn't work very huh. well with like um, trying to find outbreaks of of like the flu by monitoring like the searches for symptoms. Okay. Um, and they uh, and and it, it works to some degree, but of course, like this is like sort of the social life of data, right? Where uh, data, not the character, right? right. But like, like that, the idea that um, you know, that only works at certain levels of of literacy and at certain levels of of uh, uh, internet adoption and uh, you know, and, st- and stuff like that, yeah. or, or and even thinking about Google as a place to get relevant and important information about your body, right? right. Instead right. of like say you know, going to a doctor or like, you know, someone that's like senior in your community or something like that. Uh, Maybe you don't even think about Google as a place to go for health related things. You have to kind of be taught that. Mm. Um, uh, uh, And so like it, it, it might work in the United States, but in like in several African nations, like it couldn't track the Ebola outbreak one because not you know people weren't googling like what to do about ebola yeah. and, and and quite often you know like the the state those state governments could figure it out much faster than google could and it's because like the data didn't matter when it came up against just like an established trusted institution interesting you know? from a like an informational or even a scientific perspective i think something like the human project is is fascinating and it's probably very effective. I mean, the head scientist in her TED talk was comparing it to the difference between early astronomy and modern astronomy. Like yeah. when Galileo looks in a telescope, he's like, Oh, interesting. Saturn has rings. Okay. We'll write that down. Uh, it's an individual endeavor, but now that we have, you know, thousands of radio telescopes and satellites, you leave them on all the time and you collect all the information you can. And then discovery becomes a process of, of data science and interpretation uh-huh. as much as anything else. And, you know, stu- that, I mean, that's how scientific studies have worked for since the Kinsey reports and the nurses health study and, and whatnot. And like you said before, like more and more artificial intelligence starts playing a huge role in finding those patterns and correlations in the data. But again, we kind of run into a wall because Trek's exploration of AI is is rudimentary or it's just maybe just taken for granted. Like yeah. when Saru says, you know, just talks to the computer. I think 
you know, somebody like you, <laughs> as somebody who, who looks at this stuff all the time, goes, wait a minute. But I think the audience just goes, oh, yeah, you talk to the computer, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be just like so in the, the computation could be just like so in the background that there's lots of things that you know, just like don't show up in the script because it's just, you know, they were, you know, sort of taking it as, as a, as a, as real in a TV show, right? You just like imagine a lot of things happening. Yeah. That, that just like are relying on the computer and no one even talks about because I can't imagine a world where that, where a computer wasn't taking care of right. something important. Right. Uh, and then, yeah. And, and yeah, there is like this like big shift in, in scientific research going from like individual observation to just, yeah, uh, constantly monitoring and then figure out later what your hypothesis or your question or your research statement is, right? You just, for now, you're just collecting a bunch of information, yeah. right? And, and, and there are now, like, uh, um, competitive research grants where you get money and the data at the same time. Yeah, right. And, you know, like, you're like, you're like here's a data set. We don't know what the hell's in it. But, yeah. you know, like, here's the, here's, like, the 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 rows and columns of this excel spreadsheet you know like so here's what you might find right uh and here are the the times that we that we took the information and you can apply for up to you know ten thousand dollars and and you know tell us what you would do with that right yeah, and then, yeah. you know it's sort of like an essay contest to say you know like with this information i think i'd be able to figure out these things uh and i would need this much money to run it on my campus like really big expensive computer in the literature for the human project that i was reading it it definitely felt like it was all packaged to sell i mean the, the people they're studying will be anonymized and hopefully their information won't get out but yeah the the data and the techniques used to process the data were like that's that's what's on offer here like that's the product yeah. um as far as um <laughs> people sort of submitting to this like you said, in the 24th century, you know, maybe people will just believe in the benevolence of the institutions, but the human project, somebody posed them that idea and they described it or they, or they posited that people would see it as an act of civic duty to sort mm -hmm. of assist in this sort of, uh, uh, this sort of research. And I thought it was like, do people like normal everyday civilians, do they think in those terms? Like, are people just going to give this up or do they really understand what they're giving up? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think, I mean, if you do look at polls of like what people still trust, you know, generally, yeah, it's like small, uh, uh, small businesses, the police and military are actually still, you know, the things that, <laughs> that, that are the most in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and data companies up until recently, really, uh, like the 2016 election, pretty much, uh, ranked up there as like they could do no harm right like they, they were very well uh respected and they, everyone sort of trusted that they that they knew what they were doing with all the information that they were uh um collecting uh but I, I, obviously now that's it's even that's not not quite the case but um yeah i i mean i think a lot of people yeah don't don't really think about like where their data goes and or, or uh and they they believe Oftentimes, the best intentions I think of the people that are, are asking for it, largely because it's you know all of the you know our, our uh, sort of all the Silicon Valley stuff is designed to be very um, difficult to understand and is <laughs> right and and, and is secretive, um, uh, so that you kind of fill it in 
yourself as like, oh, this is just, these are just like fun toys that uh, that you know they run ads against in order to to make uh, make a little bit of cash. You know, it's like and they're right. and they're all well intentioned people. So like, what could go wrong? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it turns out everything. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. um, uh, there, there, uh, another um, Shannon Mattern essay actually um, is the same person that wrote the data bodies in in Code Space that we're talking about with the Human Project. Um, she wrote another thing about uh, Hudson Yards, which is a um, a smart city project in New York City. So there's the um, the yards, the eponymous yards, are the 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 um, all the tracks that the I believe it's the um, Long Island Railroad are parked in. Uh, or maybe it's New Jersey Transit, like parked in, a, um, in I think it's like around Chelsea, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, and in the late '70s, they figured out, ah, oh, if you can just drive some pylons directly into the bedrock in between the tracks, you could build a platform on top of these yards, and then all of a sudden, you have a bunch of square footage in in Manhattan. Right. Right. Uh, and it, it and it, uh, it they, they couldn't. Uh, developers couldn't quite get it done for decades until now um, where um, they're building this like big smart city thing that is mostly Google sort of powering a lot of it. And it's like, you know, you live in the, in the apartment that you live in uh, um, monitors your trash and like what you keep your thermostat set at. And you have like a dashboard where you can look at your inputs and outputs of everything. And it, and like the, they say even like the dirt is smart because it's like made from the all of this like matter, this organic matter that has like sensors embedded underneath it to like keep the thermal uh, load of the subway underneath in check so that sure. it doesn't kill all the plants above it. Okay. And it's just it's like a tons and tons of stuff and like uh, in, in this in this building project and um, and what and what Mattern argues is that you know uh, when you build this world of like constantly monitoring and checking things. Um, one, uh, you start to think about all of these problems that are might, might be collective problems as individual issues, right? So instead of caring about the environment or sustainability writ large, you care about your own personal, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, like trash and recycling habits, right? Yeah. Which is, may not be the best way to think about that problem. Right. And the other problem is that you take things that, might be political or social issues and they get turned into these sort of data monitoring projects okay. right yeah so and, and 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 perhaps we see that in star trek uh implicitly right is that instead of and and maybe and in fact it does seem very implicit in star trek because we never hear about like who is they make vague references right to like the federation council but yeah. who the hell is on it? You know, like yeah, what does right. it do? Right, like none of the government doesn't really seem to be seems very absent or at least very far away and vague. And what's very present is monitoring and and checking things and and making decisions based on uh, these information patterns, right? And, yeah. and and which have takes out uh, what all the should questions and replaces them with can we or how or something like that right? right so like all the all the uh the ethical decisions seem to be already made sure. and now it's just like figuring out all the data so that you can make those already decided ethical decisions yeah right 
I think yeah. the last time that we talked, we were speculating on whether uh, Mark Zuckerberg would go up against the wall when World War Three hits in the uh, Star Trek I think universe about that every day. So yeah, and uh, and uh, now we we can uh, speculate on whether Peter Thiel will join him against that wall. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, something about uh, you know PayPal because uh, we'll add Elon Musk to that too, right? Because, sure. Yeah, he's like, man, he like he got that name drop in Discovery, and that was yeah, they already voted was, on that side, so yeah, yeah, that was pretty cringeworthy, honestly. But yeah, it was, um, he's like, one, he's like, what did he really invent, really? Yeah. Like, right? You know, like he didn't invent batteries, he didn't invent PayPal, like he didn't invent like credit cards, which is all PayPal really was, right? He's you know he's just like very good at. Uh, uh, bringing things together in a in an interesting way, and then like garnering attention, and uh, which today attention sort of equals money, right? Right. You can get attention, you it, money follows it. Yeah. And that's, that's really what he what he's particularly good at. Which is you know not to say that which you know Edison is probably the same. So you know I'm actually talking myself out of out of this argument, right? Whereas <laughs> like Edison also like, you know, we attribute a lot of inventions to him, but really he was good at uh creating taking existing inventions and making them uh scaling them up to industrial levels, right? So people invented the light bulb, other people invented the light bulb, but he was the first one to figure out like how you can mass produce the light bulb, right? And like that's right. Like in so, uh, first contact maybe it was like um what was her name? Lily or whatever. Maybe yeah, she yeah. she designed the ship, but Cochrane was like, you know, piloted it, and he was the guy that sold it to everybody as a thing. Right. Yeah, and that's I, th- I think that probably all, that still follows most of human history, where like you know the white guy takes credit for what a black man does, <laughs> right? Like that. You're not so part. yeah. You're not so advanced, <laughs> Star Trek. Come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oops. I did that. Yeah. Oh, and the, and actually, that that does remind me that there there is another classic rock, like not. Uh, another moment where there's music that isn't uh, classical music or like Klingon chamber music or whatever, right? Is a uh, 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 Cochrane is like, oh no, abort! I forgot something, yeah. and then he like pulls out like this green mini disc right. thing. He yeah. like, plugs it in, and it, I, I forgot what song it is, but it's uh, like, Magic Carpet Ride. It's Magic Carpet Ride. Yeah, but what. it's a cover though. Yes, because you, know, you can't afford the rights to. Yeah, well, who knows what they've lost in the war? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> also that. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be like the, the worst. Like in the in the war, like all the Spotify servers are destroyed, and like, and the only thing that's left is like bad covers on YouTube. YouTube or, covers of uh, yeah. girl, fourteen year old girls with guitars singing into the camera. Yeah, that's that's all that's left is, <laughs> it, it, of 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 our entire uh, you know like co- shared music. That's a dystopia. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That's bad. Well, I want to <laughs> I want to thank you for joining me today to talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully, the audience will find this interesting. Uh, if they do, uh, where can people find you online? Oh, um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, best place is uh, unfortunately Twitter. D A underscore Banks B A N K S. My website's davidabanks.org, uh, which which will help you find that that twitter unfortunately uh and then there's uh yeah and and that's also where all all my writing lives and, and stuff like that well thanks again thank you so much thanks again to dr banks for indulging my questions about this particular topic i don't know if we'll see any instagram snaps from ensign tilly anytime soon but at the very least maybe we can get these people some photo ids 
I've included links to the article we mentioned, Data Bodies in Code Space, and to the website for The Human Project. They're both fascinating reading, and you can learn more about David's work and his involvement with the Theorizing the Web conference at his website, davidabanks.org. And give him a follow on Twitter at DA underscore Banks. He's always sharing some very engaging content on these subjects. And if you find yourself looking to do the reading on these subjects that we discussed today, I've left some links in the show notes to a few texts that explore these ideas, like Treknology, The Science of Star Trek, From Tricorders to Warp Drive, by Dr. Ethan Siegel, or Biopolitics, An Advanced Introduction, by Dr. Thomas Lemke, or the New York Times bestseller, Everybody Lies, Big Data, New Data, and What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Really Are, by Dr. Seth Stevens-Davidovitz. Doctor. 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 And doctor. Well... We miss anyone? All of these texts are available on Amazon, and when you click through the links in our show notes or through our Amazon banner on enterprisingindividuals.com and make a purchase, a small percentage of your transaction comes back to us here at the show at no extra cost to you and helps keep the warp core lit here. And this counts for anything. It's not just Star Trek stuff. You can actually bookmark the banner at Enterprising Individuals. And when you get to Amazon that way, whatever you buy, that same deal applies. It's a great way to support our show and get yourself some book learning at the same time. And maybe you're saying, hey, man, I've got all the socio-political seminal text I can carry. I've got Michel Foucault on speed dial. I'm set. To which I would say, I think he's out of network. Who's your wireless carrier? But I would also say, if you like what you hear on Enterprising Individuals and you want to support the show, why not head to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. It's there that you can sign up to be a crew member for the show for a small monthly donation, and you can get access to our exclusive subscriber content, like our live shows, including our live show recorded this year at Convergence 2018 with Melinda Snodgrass, and we discussed her classic TNG episode, The Measure of a Man. You can also get my DS9 rewatch recaps and our new episode commentaries, like our latest commentary for The Cage. There's show merchandise and more. Just head to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod and become a member of the crew today. Anybody can join our crew. We're not picky. You bring the burritos, we've got the roasted tomato salsa. It's at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And as always, anything you can contribute to the show will be appreciated and will help keep us flying. Thanks. While we're on the topic of social media, I wanted to make an exciting and terrifying announcement. Enterprising Individuals is, of course, on Twitter at at EISTpod and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash EISTpod. But now we also have a Facebook group. Yes, Zuck may be in trouble when the eugenics wars go wide, but for now, we're all still dancing to his tune. So if you're a Facebook user, please join our group entitled Enterprising Interlocutions. That should be pretty easy to find. There's not much there currently, but I'll be building it up over the next coming days. I have so much fun having in-depth, fascinating conversations with my knowledgeable guests, and I hope we've done our part to get you really thinking about the kind of issues and ethical questions that Star Trek runs on. And my goal for the group is to have it be a place where people can, as I say every show, continue the conversation. So check it out on Facebook by searching for Enterprising Interlocutions. And as always, we're waiting to receive your transmission. And that's it for this episode of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an Apple Podcast listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on Apple Podcasts and make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Also, write us a little review if the spirit moves you and give us a rating at the very least. We'd appreciate it. If you're not an Apple Podcasts user, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get our show from. And if you leave positive comments and ratings and reviews on those platforms as well, we would be eternally grateful. Next week on Enterprising Individuals. 
Anyone who tells you Star Trek shouldn't be funny is, well, wrong. Or at the very least, they've really got a grudge against Tribbles. Trek is no stranger to exploring comedy, be it through the foibles of whimsical characters like Harry Mudd or Q, to the absurd everyday realities of a world with holodecks and fraught interspecies interactions. Gene Roddenberry himself was the first Trek comedy hater, convinced that humor would topple the clay-footed edifice of his great creation. But the talent and persistence of the skilled actors of the original series, along with Trek's writing staff and another Gene, Gene Kuhn, would all serve to ensure that humor, along with adventure and introspection, would remain one of the pillars of Trek for the life of the franchise. Dr. Steve Molman joins the show next week to talk about an episode that raises important concerns about the Prime Directive, but also has time for a few games of Fizzbin. It's a piece of the action, next time on Enterprising Individuals. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban signing off and saying live long and prosper. <laughs>